Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. This week we're mixing it up a little bit, something slightly different, something that I haven't really done in the past too much, but I'm super, super excited. I am joined by a fellow podcaster actually this morning, and we're going to talk about all kinds of things. So Robert Smallband, well, Smallbone even, my apologies, welcome from the Property Nomads podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, James, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll just give a a heads up for people that are watching the video. Um, I've got a slight eye infection at the moment. So if you see me playing with my eye, I'm not just being weird. I've got a reason for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you see me moving my eye or playing with it, I've got an eye infection. Of course, if you listen to this on podcast, you can't see me, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mate, what a way to start. I couldn't. Have, I didn't even notice. Your eyes look perfectly fine. That's why I've got the lights on. That uh, sort of guides it, you know. But, yeah, I like thought I get that in just in case we get halfway through and I'm, I'm playing around and people are thinking, oh, he's a bit strange. But, uh, yeah, I imagine he's a way forward. <laughs> oh, mate, good stuff. So, Robert, um, I thought we'd mix it up a little bit this time. You know, two fellow podcasters on a podcast together. We're not really carrying out any kind of interview. I thought we'd have a, a nice free-flow chat and cover some topics, some interesting topics, I feel. And the first topic I want to kind of kick off with is, um, actually, before I kick off with the topics, tell us a little bit about your podcast, mate. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for that. Thanks for that, James. So, yeah, the Property Nomads podcast was started in uh, 2018, uh, November 2018. And we wanted to, uh, at the time, Matt and myself, who's uh, the uh, original other uh, property nomad, we just wanted to, you know, bring bring something new to people, you know, a bit something a bit bantery, something that's, you know, informative, good fun, um, you know, with the idea of turning it over time into, into a travel podcast. We wanted to start property and, you know, over time, you know, as, as we sort of travel more and expand more, you know, managing portfolios from abroad, you know, hence hence the name is Matt's, uh, Matt's suggestion for the name, which is really good. Um, and then, yeah, in 2019, um, you know, Matt left the company. Uh, so I've brought in uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron and I have known each other for 15 years. You know, we've done a hell of a lot of traveling together. So actually, the, the fit's perfect. It's just a great continuation. But, but there's three main elements to the podcast. Um, you know, Mondays is release day. That's normally sort of interview style things, similar to what we're doing now, to be fair. And that's, you know, again, mainly property based. We've, we do touch on other bits and pieces as well. Uh, and then every once in a while, we'll do a, a quick cast. So, you know, top six of something or something along those lines. And um, then uh, thanks to a brainwave for someone that works with us, um, he said, because of my surname, Smallbone, he said, well, yeah, why don't you like have a, a ranty sort of session? He called it Smallbone to pick. I was like, that is absolute genius. Genius, so, genius. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we started doing that. And that's very, that's very ranty. That's not about anything in particular. That is, you know, you know, it's something you get hot under the collar about something and you just go off on one. I just thought, you mm-hmm. know, sod it. That happens to me quite a bit. So I might just, well, just record <laughs> it and test the audience. But um, but yeah, no, no yeah, Property Nomads podcast is, is out and about and set similar to yourself, really, like on all the various platforms, iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher. And um, 
yeah, it, you know, it, it met a need from a growing market and a market that's going to continue to grow for quite a while as well. So, um, yeah, that's everything in a nutshell, I think, about the podcast. Oh, that's great stuff. Let me ask you, Rob, do you enjoy it? Do I enjoy it? Yeah, I, do I, enjoy I, I really podcast? do. Yeah, I, I really do, man. And we were just saying off air, weren't we, that sometimes, you know, you can get a lot of content in the bank. You know, you could have weeks and possibly months of interviews done and everything's running smoothly. And then there comes a time where, you know, you're doing other projects or other things are taking over. And you look at your schedule and go, oh, man, Dan, well, can I swear on the podcast? Is that all right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Oh, you okay, can. cool, man. <laughs> you, can't, you look at it and go, ah, oh, shit. Damn, I've got like I've got nothing for next week. Ah, I need something for next week. What, what, what am I doing, man? I need, uh, need to go talk about something, find something, create something. But you know, overall, yeah, I find it really enjoyable, um, especially the longer form interviews because I seem to have, and this is a feedback I have, um, a bit different when you're a guest. But I seem to have this knack of I'll just ask a question and I'll just sit back and listen, and that person can go on for five minutes, ten minutes, doesn't really matter. Because I'll just sit back and enjoy what listening to what they're saying. Um, I think there's a there's a beauty to that. That's challenging, but there's there's a beauty to that. But no, overall, um, I mean, how do you find it? I mean, you, you know, you've got some great content on the J Two Hub, and you know, you've done a great series recently focusing on women in property. But how have you found the whole podcast experience in general? Mate, I'm with you, Rob. I'm with you. I, I really, really do enjoy it. And you know, as challenging as it is, and as hard as it can be sometimes. It's one of those things that I really, when I'm interviewing like this or when I'm talking to someone on a Zoom call, I absolutely love it because like you, I like to listen. I like to listen and find out what people are up to, what they're doing. And, you know, that series, The Women in Property, that was such an eye opener for me because I spoke to some amazing ladies. And, you know, what I found with ladies, Rob, they tend to take a back seat. They don't, it's not the male approach with the chest out. Oh, I'm doing this. So I've got an essay. I've got this. So I've got £20,000 a month order confirmed. Women just stand back in the back and they're just kind of observing, but they're doing some mega, mega, mega projects. And I was absolutely blown off my chair when I interviewed some ladies. And, you know, we started talking figures and it's like, yeah, it's, it's like £3 million, £4 million. And I'm like, oh, okay, trying to keep a straight face thinking, Wow, you know, you don't see any of this on social. If this was a bloke or Dave down the pub, he would be shouting about this from the hilltop saying, I've got a three million pound development, it's going to be GDV is going to be this, it's going to be that. But that's why I partly wanted to do that series because I think it was time to recognize some of the women that are doing some amazing things and don't necessarily shout about it. Um, but yeah, I love podcasting, I love talking to people, and um yeah, really, really look forward to it every single week. It's important. It's important to do that. And, you know, if you don't, you know, they always say there's two things that you do. There's two reasons why you do something, isn't it? Number one's cash or number two is the love of doing it. And I think you know, with podcasting, yeah, you can get sponsorships if you want and do this and do that. And it obviously creates, you know, a plethora of opportunities. But ultimately, you know, if you enjoy doing it and you can be yourself, you know, why not? It is good fun. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Brings me nicely on to our next topic, podcasting, podcasting in general. Now, I'm not going to, I was going to have a small bone rant here. <laughs> Recently, I don't know if you've seen it as well. There's just been a massive, massive amount of new podcasts, like huge amounts. I see stuff come in, they'll do two or three episodes and then it's kind of gone for like three or four months or someone will come about and they say, right, I've got this new property podcast. It's going to be this great. It's going to be that great. And then I see one episode and I don't see anything again. 
your opinions on it, Rob? Yeah, I digging your own grave, really. If if you do that, you got to you know rule number one in in podcasting, in my opinion, do not miss an episode. Mm. Do, you know, do not miss an episode. If you, if you're saying, you know, if you're sat there and say, you know, a J two hub, you release every Friday. Is that right? We release every Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you sat down and you thought about that, and you've gone right. I'm going to release every Friday, no matter what happens. It doesn't matter if it's an hour long interview. It doesn't matter if it's a a five minute. You know, if you're low on content, sometimes you create sort of quicker episodes, don't you? We all do. Um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those people will get into it and they they go in with so much emotion and go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this and do that. I'm going to talk about this, record about that and do this and do that and do that. And then they sort of step back and realise that when you, when you look at it, and then it's a case of, well, oh, no, I've got to think of content. Oh, okay, I've got to take time out of my day to think about that. I've got to be creative. Um, oh, I've got to get people on the podcast. How do I do that? Oh no, I've got to, you know, reach out, email people. Then you got a whole. Oh, when are you free? You, know, you get all of that. You get all of that. And for some people, that could be challenging. They don't realise. Oh, then you got the editing. Then you got the promotion of it. You know, mm-hmm. so there's it's a whole business in itself. But yeah, in terms of um, yeah, in terms of the podcast space, you know, I think it's people seen three or four years ago that it, it's a there's an area. It's an area for massive growth. You know, the population is going to keep increasing um, regardless of what's happening. Otherwise, more and more people are finding they've got more time on their hands. And, you know, that, that's why Netflix are doing exceptionally well. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people just you know, automatically go to Netflix, don't they, or Amazon Prime or something. But people are, people are going to listen to more. So people listen to more podcasts. So it's a growing market. But in answer to your question, yeah, I have noticed a few, not just probably you know, any you know, various podcasts. I'm, you know, I'm a history, I'm, I'm a history person as well. I've noticed a few history podcasts have done the same. Let's get three or four episodes in and then they might go quiet for a while. And if you don't create that consistency, you know, you mm-hmm. can easily lose touch or people will lose touch. You know, I've unsubscribed from any podcast. There's no, there's no consistency. You know, um, I had, uh, I interviewed uh, a, a guy a while ago, uh, Robin Pearson of the history of Byzantium podcast. Again, again, love my history. And he's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And um, he's he's taken a break from podcasting for a little while because of various other things going on. But he's communicated that in such a great way that he's not just gone AWOL. You know, he'd done a two or three minute episode a while ago to say, these are the reasons, you know, don't worry, we will pick up. There's a few more episodes to come. I'm taking a six month break. This is why I'll be back in April. Don't worry, we've got a lot of stuff to continue doing. And I think if you could do that, it builds up a lot of respect um as, as well so, but yeah you know everyone's going to do their own podcast their own way aren't they be consistent if you if you're booked in to do an episode every friday like you are or in our case mondays you've you've got to at least do the minimum so if, if you don't do that then you break that consistency and you know that's um for me that's the biggest faux pas mm. no i agree with you mate i agree with you i mean my podcast has only been going since the first of january this year actually so it started in 2020 but one of the things I said to myself was, look, I'm going to be absolutely consistent with it. And it's something Ted actually said to me, he goes, James, look, you've got a wonderful story. You've been on a great journey. Release it as a podcast, start talking to people. But one tip I can give you, consistency, consistency, consistency. You cannot just drop off with it because it is a massive commitment. It is. And, you know, Ted, well, you know, Ted knows what he's talking about. He's, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not always one for 
numbers and numbers and numbers in terms of how many people are listening, where they're listening from. You know, I want to sort of reach out eventually to everyone everywhere. That's crucial. But, you know, he's got a marketing background as well. He knows exactly what he's talking about. So, yeah, heeding advice from, you know, people like Teji is, is fantastic. And, yeah, he's, he's been a great person on the show as well. And he, he's just an all-round great fun person to have a chat with and, and be mm. around. But, yeah, consistency is key, James, on, on it. So, Rob, anyone listening, if they're thinking about starting a podcast, um, what would be some of the tips you would give them when they're starting out? Uh, into It could be anything from, you know, uh, equipment or where you record, how you find your guests. Give us some information, man. Tell us what would be great for someone starting out, some some starter tips or a starter kit. Oh, man, yeah, good, good question. <laughs> That's going to get me thinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, plenty of things, uh, to be fair. Uh, I know some of it might sound cliche. I'll give you a full warning. Uh, start with the end in mind. You know, what do you want to achieve from it? Um, you know, if they always say, you know, if you treat it as a business, you're going to get business results. If you treat it as a hobby, you're going to get hobby results. So you, you've got to, you know, sit down and think about why you want to do it. That's key. Think about the ending. Think about the end goal. Um, you know, I know for, for us, for example, when we, sort of initially released it it was like you know we want a different way of being able to promote you know different products and different services not continuously but you know you can subtly mention things every now and then uh, to grow an international base because we knew that would filter down into say various products and services but also knowing that over the years and years that as we developers people uh, and start to you know get out and about more in terms of you know long form traveling that eventually the podcast itself would change, hence the, hence the name. It's still involved in property, but we're not sort of, you know, we had this idea of, of changing. So start with the end in mind. Equipment-wise, um, you know, again, for the benefit of the video, I'll just hold it up. Um, the key thing I've got is a Zoom H1N. You can see you've probably got one of them yourself. They're, mm-hmm. they're great. Um, to be fair, actually, our, our mentor, Rob Moore, told us to, get that uh, it's relatively expensive it's not a, a massive investment to be fair but it's very simple to use the audio quality from it's fantastic i've had an upgrade with my earphones now next to one of my mates that works at bose so i've got some yeah, yeah we've got a ma- looks like we've got a matching yeah. pair here mate yeah yeah i think i think we do yeah yeah a great most think alike isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you know equipment's important um you know editing i don't do the editing our, our team does the editing so you know, I just I let I let them do what they need to do on that. I don't I'm not a technical person, but yeah, a Zoom H1N, get a Lavillier mic as well. I think you can pick them up for twenty quid off Amazon or whatever. They're decent, decent pair of headphones as well. And if you're doing what we're doing now, like you say, get a pair of Bose or something uh, as well to help help quality because audio quality is crucial. You have to. I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, James, and I'm sort of aware that I'm diverging a little bit. If I, if I'm listening to a podcast. I get infuriated if the audio quality is not good. It's a podcast. You've got to have some good audio quality there. You know, I don't want to hear you in your car and, you know, people swearing at your Danny M1 or whatever. It don't interest me. <laughs> you know, I'm not expecting it to be perfect. You yeah. Know, we've had some great fun before. I think we've been interrupted by fire alarms and, and a cat, you know, over, mm-hmm. you know, bizarre <laughs> things like that. I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, that, that, those things happen. But in general, you know, you've got to have good audio quality because you don't want to be listening to an episode and all you can hear in the background is yeah like you're I'm being with attacked you. by Darth Vader 
yeah. don't don't make sense you know but yeah start with the end in mind um, know why you're doing it be consistent never miss an episode um you know it's always better to plan and do one one week and then if you think you've got the capacity to do more then go and do more but again be consistent uh treat it treat it as a business if you want to get business results out of it i'd probably say there's three or four key takeaways uh, if you're mm-hmm. looking to to start it up and um, as with anything it's an industry that's becoming you know more common it's an industry that's becoming you know more used and you know normally i find if things become more used and more common that things become a little bit simpler so i think some of the platforms are some of the platforms are obviously are very simple to use um, so you don't have to be you know if you're not technically gifted and I'm, I'm certainly not if you're not technically gifted don't let that put you off and doing a podcast um you know surround yourself with a good team um or you know learn a couple of basic skills because you don't need too much to, to get it up and running um mm-hmm. and then when you release start with at least start with at least six episodes don't just release with one episode have a little bit of a bank of content because i think it's proven that people will binge listen you know i've been listening to many a podcast um personally but yeah don't just start with one episode have like six in the bank um mm. and then that way it gives people you know a bit of oomph, something to listen to um, but yeah I, I say those three or four or five things would be what i would do if i was if i was starting over again no, some great advice there, Rob. Rob, do you treat your podcast as a business or is it more of a hobby? Yeah, I, I say all that. Um, I do. We, we, you know, we do. Aaron and I do treat it as as part of the business. We don't really treat it as its separate, you know, entity. Uh, reason for that: in the last twelve months, there's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of ups and downs of various things. Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, people leaving the company, people coming in, and sort of a whole, you know, rebrand of you know, Aaron and I working together on both fronts. So we're still trying to sort of figure figure that out. But yeah, I would sway more to treating it like a business um, because at the end of the day, you know, I feel that there's a duty of providing people with as good as information as possible where where applicable, you know, in some interviews. Um, it's about having a laugh, it's about being yourself as well. And, you know, if you can be yourself, that's important. Uh, but, you know, in answer to your question, I, I'd say more towards the business side. It's not, you know, it's not 100% business, you know, because we do have an element of, you know, we've spoken about, I don't know, football. We've spoken you know, about some you know, history bits and pieces. So there's an element of fun because that's really who I am. You know, I think you've got to have that element there as well. Uh, but, you know, it's trial and error, isn't it? You know, you record stuff and people don't like it. You know, we always welcome feedback. You know, if someone mm-hmm. listens to something and go, oh man, Rob, that was crap. Oh, I did. You know, don't talk about that again. It's like, okay, cool, not a problem. You know, yeah. um, so yeah, a, a bit more to the business side, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and you know, with a halo over my head and say, you know, yes, 100% business. You know, I, I think you know, I want to have a bit of fun with it, and a bit of fun for me is sometimes you know, going off on a rant or talking about completely random sort of topics, um, which I think are good fun and. You know, there's a beauty in that with podcasting. It's your own media platform. You know, you're not going to get lambasted about your own views um, or, you know, some, you know, you know, there's sort of all these sort of dodgy algorithms with Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. That if you mention, you know, COVID or you mention something that people don't like and, you know, they might have their own ways to limit <laughs> video views and all that mumbo jumbo. But at least with a podcast, you know, you can just go. You say what you want. Yeah, pretty much. You've got your own <laughs> platform there. And they, I, I think there's a beauty in that. That's real freedom of speech. 
but that's a whole different topic <laughs> for a different time. <laughs> no, some great tips there, Rob. Great tips. Um, what's your opinions on sponsorship and advertising in a podcast? Because there's some podcasts I listen to, and it is just blatantly just, oh. I've got this new health drink that I've been drinking and I've been getting super fit from it. Maybe you should go and check it out and it will make you super fit as well. I'm not going to say what podcast that's on, but there's a few that are like, you know, these are some famous podcasts, but what I'm finding is the advertising is so, so, so annoying. And it's through the podcast three or four times. And you just think, you know what? I really used to enjoy this, but I'm now really starting to dislike it. Your opinions on it. Oh, yeah, that, that that's my response. That's a really bad response, isn't it? Just going, yeah. <laughs> I, I can. I think as with many things, I can see both. You can see both sides. I can see both sides to it. I think. It just, just, let's just take a step back to what you just said. It's about treating it as a business and a hobby. You know, if you have, if you had a, a let's just say you have a health shake company come to you and say, James, you know, I want to sponsor your podcast, give you twenty grand a year. You know, I, you know. You might think about that. You might not. I, I don't know. Everyone's circumstance is different. I think advertising. Yeah, but I think it's it's how you do it and what happens. Um, you know, I listen to. Uh, yeah, I'll totally hold my hands up. Uh, you know, the totally football league show about league football, and I enjoy listening to that. But I had to unsubscribe recently because they're sponsored by Paddy Power. I ain't got an issue with Paddy Power. I think you know, great company, and I'll probably get some litigation to my door after I've said all of this. So that's fine. I'll, I'll be prepared for that. Um, I ain't got anything wrong with the company. Absolutely fine. But the amount of times that their name is mentioned within an episode, an episode is about 45 minutes long, right? 10, 11, 12 times, you know, always going through the betting odds at the end and you're in association with Paddy Pat. And it's just absolute, you know, it's, it's like it's bleeding my ears. Mm. But again, if they've paid good money to have that said on all the episodes, you know, you've got to feel, fulfill your contractual obligation. So I can see both sides. I think it's how it's done for ourselves. You know, we made a conscious decision when we started that we wouldn't pursue advertising, to be honest. Um, we didn't, you know, yeah, we, we just didn't want to. You know, the, the podcast is supplementary to other things that we do. You know, obviously, you know, bricks and mortar itself, uh, you know, books, um, you know, those sort of things. So a podcast is supplementary, it just feeds, helps to feed into our system. So we never wanted advertising in the first place. But everyone's got their price. You know, there's a couple of things that we, Aaron and I believe in, that, you know, someone came to us and there was a good offer, um, you know, and it was related to what we were talking about. Then, you know, we'd look at that, you know, I don't know, for example, if, if a law firm came and said, oh, actually, hang on a minute, you know, we'd like to sponsor the podcast or, you know, a finance company or something like that. We'd probably look at that because we would then think it's relevant to the people that listen to the show, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I think it's how it's done, how many times something's mentioned. Um, but, yeah, again, I can see both sides. You know, as, as the industry evolves, there's going to be a lot of money to make because more people are listening to podcasts and, you know, people are going to jump on that bandwagon. And, you know, a lot of us are working from home. Or that trend certainly, I think, is going to, you know, continue for the next few years anyway. Maybe for the rest of our lives. That's difficult. That's again, that's a different conversation for a different time. So I can see both sides to it. Um, but yeah, I think if it's relevant, that's always useful. 
Um, but I just thought I'd just get into habit of fast forwarding. But there, have, there, but there have been a few podcasts where I've had to unsubscribe from. So I'm like, this is it's too abusive for my ears, you know, um, to be honest. But I mean, what? yeah, it, yeah, I'll fence it on that one, to be fair, James. I, I think, you know, everyone's situations, everyone's situation's different. But, you know, let's go back to what we just said about treating it as a business or a hobby. You know, mm-hmm. if you're treating it as a business and you want to make, you know, a shit ton of money from it, uh, you know, one of the easiest ways to be fair is is through advertising um so if you're going to sell out and do get a lot of cash in from advertising then you know absolutely fine um you know people it's very easy to fast forward for adverts anyway if people get into the habit of it so mm, fair enough know. fair point yeah yeah i'll fence it it's not something that again like yourself is something that we decided as well didn't really want to have adverts but as time's gone on um there's certain things that have come up where i think the values really align like one being uh we've been working with some architects and they're online architects and what i love about them is how they've disrupted the whole architects field taken the service completely online they slash architects fees by i'm talking you know hugely almost half what you'd pay a normal architect and the way they've automated everything online just sits so nicely with the values. And because we've used them so much, they poached us and it was like, oh, do you fancy running some of our ads? And it was like, you know what? This is actually something that would help people listening. So you kind of start thinking, okay, this isn't really, all right, yeah, they're going to pay us some money for it, but it's a service we use ourselves. We truly believe in it and, and we've done some wonderful things with it. So it's like, why not push it? Why not push it if we believe in it so much ourselves? I totally agree. You know, we go to our sort of core values through both our businesses, um, you know, authenticity, integrity and congruence. Totally with you on that. You know, if it's a service that we use or something we believe in and then we're approached, then, you know, we seriously consider it. You know, if we're approached by, you know, I'm just going to use a milkshake company because that's the example you gave. If we're approached by a milkshake company and said, oh, yeah, there's 10 grand, you know, we want you to run some adverts on all your websites, I'd, I'd probably reject it. Because there's, there's no congruence there. Whereas, mm. you know, if someone came to us and um, wanted to, you know, talk about, I don't know, their environmentally friendly roofs, you know, for housing or stuff like that, yeah, we'd seriously consider that because there, there's a correlation there. So, uh, a fair, fair play to you on that, as long as it sits with your values and everyone's going to make their own decisions based on, based on that. But again, you've got your business hat on, which goes back to the point about when you're starting a podcast, business or hobby. You know, you're going to slide towards one of them. Um, but, you know, so much, there's so much cash in the world. But, you know, why not if it works? If it works well with your values, then, uh, you know, why not do it? Yeah. No, some good information there, mate. Let's cap that off for podcasts and move on to our property strategies. So we're both in property. We talk about property. Uh, hopefully we know what we're doing when it comes to property. <laughs> Let's talk about some of our strategies. I'll start with you, Robert. What's your strategy? What are you guys doing at the moment? Yeah, so our main strategy after much trial and error is just regular buy-to-lets, regular bread and butter buy-to-lets, um, looking at sort of, you know, upgrading that to blocks of flats um, at the moment. You know, just that's just a way of scaling up quite simply, as you know. So, yeah, that, that's our main focus. Um, yeah, following typical, you know, buy below market value or where you can or, you know, add value, refinance, pull cash out, go again for the next project. So, you know, bread and bread and butter stuff. Um, and yeah, blocks of flats are pretty much the same. You know, how can you add value? You know, similar process. Can you buy can you buy below market value? If so, great. How can you add value? Follow the process, but instead of getting one unit at the end, 
you might get two, three, four, five, you know, whatever. And that's mainly that's mainly up in the north of England, mainly in Hull. That's mainly where we operate. We've got a couple of other towns sort of creating this triangle, you know, just for security purposes, just in case it goes tits up in one place, you know, that sort of stuff. So that's the main strategy. In terms of what we what else we do in the background, as you say, you've know, got the Property Nomads podcast, uh, written a couple of books as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're on Amazon. There's a buy to let how to get started. Uh, you can go check that out. And then also Aaron and I wrote, with thanks to many people that contributed, 101 top property tips. So those things just supplement uh, what we're doing as well. And then Aaron's working on, I can't say too much about it, because I'm not meant to say too much about it until sort of the middle of next year. But I know that Aaron, behind the scenes, is working on a few things, should we say, that will um, come to fruition, well, next year, middle of next year, March, April, I think. So, uh, and that's going to be, you know, that, 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 that could be quite exciting. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm not allowed to say too much on that. That's really, in a nutshell, um, what else do I do? Yeah, the, the time of recording, actually, uh, deep diving into uh, deep diving into the energy section of, of property. So training up to become an energy assessor. For, yeah, for me, I love learning. Love learning. Mm-hmm. There's some massive opportunities coming up um, with government backed plans for the next 15, 20 years in, in the energy sector. I think you know most people can see worldwide that there's this whole you know, people are concerned about climate change and they want to make things as environmentally friendly as possible and energy efficient as possible. Because you know, if you do that, you can save you can save cash and you know, everyone loves saving a bit of cash every now and then. So yeah, so for me, it's, that's been a little bit unorthodox to pretty much go back to square one and go back to school, basically. But that sits well with my values. You know, I love learning. I want to get involved in that because there's some fantastic opportunities out there. So who knows what that's going to lead to? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm at at the moment. It's, you know, that's where the business is at at the moment. We, you know, Aaron, Aaron and I are quite uh, a bit different. You know, we've got the same sort of goals and motivations and inspired to do things as as much as the next person is but you know through a lot of trial and error yeah what we found through our skill sets is that stick to stick to the bread and butter stuff stick to the buy to let stick to the you know the blocks of flats buy to let and so forth because you know we know deep down 20 30 40 years time they're still going to be there you know mm. and, we're, and we're, we're, we're thinking very long term you know we've had enough of you know it's very easy to get sold up the river with shiny pennies and do this and do that and you know and I think when you get started, you know, you're fresh, you want to try these things out and you learn and, you know, but for us, again, after a lot of trial and error, sort of, we've gone back to the drawing board and we've just gone, right, right, let's be, let's be slow and steady with this. You know, we can do three properties here if we want, we can do 10 properties. It doesn't really matter. You know, we've, we've, we set ourselves our targets. Um, but yeah, no, bread and butter by to let's is, is the main nooks and crannies of it. And then, as I said, supplementing that of all these different things, you know, stuff that Aaron's working on, books as well. Um, you know, so we've got two out. There's more that will be sort of coming in due course. Uh, the podcast as well, which, as we just said, doesn't generate direct income at present, but could do because of advertising or people that then enjoy other services that we offer. Um, you know, it's all. It's taken about four and a half years to get to that level of having that pure direction. But uh, no, Vitalex is, is a main strategy because it's, it's the stuff that we know and it's what we believe. You know, if we look at strategies, that's what's going to be around for for years and years and years and years and years 
they've just got to work with the economics. Mm, mm. Well, it's worked in the past and it's worked for many years, and I, I think it's it's quite a safe bet. Um, not something I'm involved in personally myself. I don't actually have any buy to lets, but um, that's because I wanted to go down the route of kind of a more of a riskier strategy. Uh, where I do, I'm I'm involved in new builds and I'm involved in in HMOs, but more so I'm feeling that I want to start maybe parking up the HMOs and concentrating back on those small small new builds. But yeah, like you said, it takes time. You just you just demonstrated it there by saying it took four years to get to this point. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. You trial and error. You see what works, what doesn't work. You do some minor tweaks. You do some adjustments. And I think eventually you come to your own strategy. And something you said there that really, really kind of stood out for me was the shiny penny syndrome. I think too often people are just caught up with seeing what anybody else is doing and thinking, you know what? I, I could so do with an SA unit that gives me 20 grand or gives me 18 grand or whatever it is when you see those facebook posts where oh i just got a booking for this but is it really a true long-term strategy no it isn't in my opinion but shiny penny syndrome i think you hit the nail on the head there if you're going to keep chopping and changing and never concentrate on one thing i don't think you i don't think and i don't feel you're going to get very far i, I totally agree i, I totally agree with that uh, as they say what's the acronym uh, follow one course until successful and as you say yeah it's taken us a while <laughs> clear my throat a second <clears throat> sorry yeah it's taken us a while to sort of understand that because yeah it's easy to get sort of in, into that trap of you know oh yeah i've you know, just done this for 20k and you know this and that and this and that whereas for us you know we're long-term thinkers you know when we're 32 32 yeah 32 so we're gonna be doing this for 20 34 years because if it gets to the stage where adding to the portfolio is two properties a year for argument's sake that's a piece of cake absolute piece of cake and, and we know the economics are working in our favor you know um, i'm sure we'll deep dive into a little bit about economics in a bit but you know at the end of the day people need well not people but bank of england and central banks around the world etc really they need to create inflation mm-hmm. because that's the one way that they think they're going to get out of debt ain't, ain't going to work but they need to create inflation which you know regular consumers and whatnot it's a bit of a pain in the ass for but as you know from you know new build developments and, and being in buy to lets and stuff, inflation is kind of what we need as well. Pushes the prices up. If it pushes the prices up, pushes the prices up for housing, which means that we could you know make more money. Not necessarily tomorrow, but you know over you know what we got to do is just look at prices over the historical data for it. But yeah, the shiny penny syndrome. It's it's you know there's there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm not going to bash people that do training. You know we've done training, you know over over the time as well um there's nothing wrong with that um yeah i just like to give a dose of reality and i'm quite a cynical person anyway now i can just see things differently um <laughs> you know that's just that's just me but um yeah yeah you've got to you've got to yeah follow one course till successful and do what works for you do what works for your skill sets you know um so as you say if you enjoy you know you're quite a technical person if you enjoy you know, doing uh, the HMO side and new build developments, you've obviously got a great team around you, like all people will do. And you've obviously got a drive and desire for that because you've seen, you might have seen something that someone else hasn't seen with that area of property. And you know, we're in slightly different areas as well. You know, I'm not saying that developments don't go ahead in the north, but GDVs down south, of course, are a lot, yeah, you know, a, lot yeah. a lot more fruitful. So there's a bit more, a bit more margin there. So, you know, that, that might help as well. If, you know, if you try doing buy-to-lets in the South, 
not impossible, but you might as well do what you're doing. Says yeah, you know, a bit more meat on it? the bone. Hundred percent, hundred percent. No, some great, great, great tips there, Rob. Great tips, Rob. Investor finance. Have you ever raised any money from investors? Have you got any top tips for people looking to raise money? <laughs> yeah, I always joke and say carry a shotgun. That normally helps. <laughs> you know, scare scare people into doing it is always. Uh, I'm being flippant, by the way, people. I mean, I, I'm being flippant. Yeah, we we've um over the years, yeah, we've raised over half a million quid for what you know various bits and pieces, and that comes down to again that comes down to what you've just mentioned, James, about time. You know, building the relationships, building that trust, you know, uh, building your portfolio over time as well. You know, it's always more challenging on the first one because mm-hmm. you've got to have as much confidence in yourself and you've got to portray that to potential investors, uh, regardless if it's friends, family or external people. You've got to portray that confidence. But as and when you build your portfolio over time, it, it becomes a lot easier to go back to people and say, you know, hey, we've got, you know, this is our, where our portfolio is at the moment. Sometimes you don't need to because people just give you cash for the sake of giving you cash because they like and trust you. But, you know, yeah, it takes time. It takes time. But, yeah, uh, raised over half a million. We've got a, a small a small band of investors, uh, you know, reliable investors, people that we like to work with, people that like to work with us because, you know, it's a two-way street. And, and, again, that's not happened after day one. You know, we've not sat down, read a book, and gone out and done it tomorrow. You know, it's it's taken time to build up that trust, finding the people that are going to work well with you and vice versa. You know, some things have worked really well. Some things haven't worked as well as they should have done. But, you know, property is a people business. And, yeah, but, but finance, finance, is e- finance is easy. Yeah, people make a, a big song and dance about finance. But finance, if you're trying to raise it from people, can be relatively straightforward. I mean, there's so much out there. You know, tell people what you do, usual stuff. Tell people what you do, you know, be enthusiastic, you know, be pragmatic with it. They don't bullshit people, you know, because if you get found out, it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt majorly because reputation is key in property, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, but, you know, raising finance is good fun. Aaron deals with most of that. He's got, his, he's got a background in finance, to be fair. Okay. So in terms of the paperwork, securities, whatever is needed and stuff like that, Aaron, Aaron deals with that, um, to be fair, because that's his speciality in that. But, you know, we, we've got, you know, in general, we've got a, you know, a small, solid network. And once we've got that, and again, for the strategies that we're doing, it's very easy for people to recycle their cash. And, mm. you know, we, we enjoy that. You know, again, that works for us. Some people like to be juggling eight, nine figures and this and that and this and that. You know, we, we could be, you know, we could do that. I'm sure we could. Not an issue. Just where we are with where we are in our lives and with what we're doing. We're happy with a nice, small, solid investor but reliable investor database where you can just pretty much keep going back and people will keep recycling because you know they like what we do um but yeah i mean how do you find raising finance i imagine it was tough at first and then it's got easier over time yeah Yeah, it has i mean um it's something that i've started to concentrate on more i mean i've raised probably around the same i would say six hundred thousand pounds from private investors and again, they have been friends, family, connections. Um, and when I first started, you know, obviously, like every property person does, they try to use up all their own funds. And you realize very quickly that they, they, they're they going to finish. You're going to be skinned very quickly. You know, if you want to go into property, it's one sure way of being skinned of your own funds when you first started. And it was always a, it was always a case of like, 
I almost felt embarrassed asking for it. You know, it was like, first I felt you need to get over this, this kind of stage of embarrassment because there's nothing embarrassing about it because you're offering them, you know, probably 10 times better than what a bank can give them. You're offering them a secure investment in an asset that they could have a charge over. So it was getting over that whole embarrassment stage, number one for me. And the second thing, like you said, you need to tell everybody what you do. You know, sometimes you like to be a bit of a private person or keep things back and not talk too much about it. But I realized the more people you tell, um, you know, the more inquisitive they are, the more they want to find out. And nine times out of 10, there's someone always listening. Someone's always listening, thinking, okay, oh, that James, he's up to this, or that Rob's been doing this. And they're watching you, they're watching you, watching you. And then suddenly you get that, you get, I love that conversation when they say, Oh, James, you know, I've got some money and I don't know what to do with it. And you're like, cha-ching, that is the line I was waiting for, you know. And I don't I don't really push people that hard. Um, I, I think moving forward, I'm going to need to because I want to get more. I want to aggressively grow in certain areas. Um, but, yeah, I think I think once they know what you're doing and secondly, you've got to be a likable person because I've found majority of the time they don't care what the deal looks like you know as long as it relatively stacks up they're putting their trust in you as a person can you do what you're saying do they like you are you coming across in the right way have you got the skills to get this done so i always say when you're raising investment make sure that person is liking you or you're very investable because the deal almost comes secondary to the person 100 100 100 you got to people people will work for you because they like you that's mm. oh, that's it that there, there you are <laughs> take take that away uh, if you're listening uh, yeah people people work you because they like you and you know people people get scared of because you, know, you hear this many a time where you're on you know whatever network meetings you know we're at or or people that are just starting you always get the what if what if what if the deal doesn't quite go to plan well then you know grow a pair and have a chat about it it's not a pleasant conversation i mean granted you know, so I think we've all been there, done that, where, you know, we want to be delivering great news, where mm. it might not be end of the world news, but it might just mean a payment's delayed by two months, for example. These things happen. And I think, you know, people will be very receptive to that. Most people are receptive to that. You just, you know, just tell them, you know, be honest, this is what's happened. This is how it's happened. Um, but not a big deal. It just means that a payment's delayed by two months, you know, and have good, have good paperwork. That's what Aaron always mm. says. You've got to have good paperwork. If something like that happens, what are the ramifications? You know, mm-hmm. do you have to pay extra uh, an extra percent of interest per month or whatever? Because the more you've got that written down, then you know what to do, you know. Um, but, yeah, people work for you because they like you uh, at the end of the day. And, yeah, you know, from that, you know, you can create that book of people, can't you? You know, you do a project, you hand, you know, you give Dave back his 100 grand. Great, happy Dave. Dave's happy. He's got his 100 grand back. He's got his interest back. And then you just, funnily enough, I'm doing this in air, air things for people that can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. Funnily enough, oh, Dave, I've got another project uh, that's quite similar to what I've just done. Uh, would, you know, <laughs> do you want to have a chat about it? Oh, oh yeah, James, great idea. Let's, 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 let's grab a coffee or have a, you know, a coffee on Zoom. And, mm. and then, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And I think that's, that's what I love about it. Is it. That's not a guarantee that people will do that every time. But again, you know, so if I let you 100 grand, if I let you 100 grand, everything went well, 12 months later, you know, you come back and say, Rob, everything's fine. Easy cash, yada, yada, yada. And like, oh, I've got a new project. You know, for me, I, you know, I like an easy life. So, you know, I'd, I'd look at that and go, yeah, 
yeah, no, James, everything's worked well before this time. Ain't got a problem. Is the security the same? What we're looking at? I'll get Aaron to run through his due diligence. He's, so he's got a diploma in that stuff, you know, about what to look for. Um, so I'll get him to have a look through it. And then, you know, it'll be a relatively straightforward decision because, yeah, we would have built up that rapport, wouldn't we? And, and trust. And Yeah. So, yeah, you know, if, you know, if you're getting started in, in, in raising finance and whatnot, there's, there's an abundance of finance out there. There always will be, I think, as well, no matter what stage we're at economically. And don't worry too much about the what ifs because it's property. You know, things are going to work out well. Some things aren't going to work out so well. It's life. It's property. These things happen. You just got to be, I'm not going to say man enough, that's not PC, but you've just got to be adult enough to have um, adult conversations when you need to. And, that, and that's crucial. Yeah, some some really good tips there. Really good tips, Rob. Thank you for that. Uh, for one thing you said that, that stuck out was people always say, what if this doesn't happen? What if this does happen? You know, I always say to people, why don't you flip it on its head and say, well, what if it does happen? What if everything does go well? What if the market does rise and you end up making more money? What if you end up refinancing it for more cash and you give your investor a slight little bonus as well? I go, everybody's very quick to look at the negatives. Why don't you look at the positives and think, what if this does go swimmingly well? What does that mean for you and your confidence level when you then go out and ask an investor for more money? Amen to that. And the thing, the thing with that, and the thing that I find personally quite startling is that, you know, we've got budding developers or people looking to get involved in property who know absolute F all about economics. That concerns me. That really concerns me because it's not, you know, sometimes economics can be quite an interesting science, you know, to, in, in some respects, but there seems to be a lot of people that don't understand economics and that, that worries me, but it doesn't keep me up at night because at the end of the day, do your homework nine times out of ten it's going to work out anyway it's crucial with words as you've just said 100 percent, absolutely look at the other look at the other side of the coin you know what if you know what if that happens but you get more money out 100 you know it's how you phrase things and then these little things these way with words they're there again i'm just going to say they're crucial because they, they really are a lot of people go oh it's wishy-washy oh, and start complaining it's like well but it is you know, it's like there's there's no such thing in life as a problem. There's only challenges or mm. obstacles, end of. If you keep saying, you know, if you keep saying you've got a problem, then you're going to have many problems. Trust me, you're going to have a lot of problems in life. But if you've got challenges, just that word itself, you go, oh, I've got a challenge here. Okay, I need to sort that out. Well, how do I get around this obstacle? How do I, you know, get through, break through that brick wall? How do I sort this out? But if you go problem, problems always, to me, problems like uh, a, a, a mental term with this recently. He said, Rob, He's South African, so I'm not going to do the accent. But, you know, he's, uh, he said, you know, Rob, you can either play the victim or you can play the victor. And he said, well, I'm fed up of working with people that keep playing a victim mentality. And to me, mm-hmm. if you keep saying you've got problems, victim mentality, you've got challenges, I think that's a victor, a victim mentality, because you're trying to find a way to make it work. And I love what you say there, James. It's so, it's so true. Stop worrying too much about all, about all the negatives. You know, if you follow your training or, you know, even if you've just listened to a few podcasts and you've read a few books and you're doing your first project, you know, as long as you've got a basic understanding of economics and you've done your homework, nine times out of 10, I think you'd be fine. Um, worst case, you know, yeah, worst case scenario. Let's look at a worst case scenario. Take, take a development, take a buy to let, take a project. You do your homework, homework's fine, everything's fine, but the value of down values it. Can happen, has happened. Mm-hmm. But what's the worst case scenario? Well, it might mean for the investor, they might not get all of their money back straight away. Okay. That, that can suck. Yeah. 
But is it the end of the world? Probably not, because the asset's still there. The asset's going to be generating cash flow. Um, you know, I just remember interviewing Peter Jones on, on the podcast as well. And he said, yeah, but Rob, he said, even if your house got knocked down or bombed, he said, you still got the land. He said, it's pretty much impossible for anything ever in property to be worth zero. Mm. You know, you're always going to have the land and there's value to land, as we know, you know, in the UK. So, yeah, a bit, a bit waffly, but, um, yeah, you know, you've got, to, you've got to use the right phrases, you've got to use the right words, and that's crucial. It can make such a big difference by just changing a word or two. But, yeah, I love, I love what you're saying there, James. It is true. You know, don't, don't worry too much about the negatives. Don't worry too much about, you know, what could happen, you know, all this doom and gloom. I mean, the world's, you know, the world's full of doom and gloom as it is anyway. <laughs> It's always going to create opportunities. And, you know, as, as a, any good entrepreneurs that we are, mm-hmm. we've got to look out for these opportunities and work with them. And that's what we've got to do. But, yeah, don't worry too much about the negatives. Shit happens. It's life. It's property. You know, just, just be, I say, just be adult enough to have those adult conversations. And, you know, you, you could say that from the, off, uh, from the onset when you're speaking to people as well. Because that, that is normally quite an investor question that you get is what's the worst case scenario? isn't it? You know, we've all had that. But what's the worst case scenario? And it's like, well, if it gets down, you know, worst case scenario, it, the house blows up. It's very <laughs> unlikely to happen. You know, if it gets downvalued, not the end of the world. You know, it might suck. Yeah, but not the end of the world. If the house gets blown up, you know, and as long as, you know, no one's in and no one's died and no one's, you know, anything like that, you've still got the bricks. You've still got the land. You just restart again, you know, and insurance will probably pay for it. I might use that line next time when an investor goes to me, James, what's the worst that can happen? I said, well, the house could blow up, it could fall down. <laughs> Maybe not it. with a new investor. <laughs> I've used it before with, um, with one of our more experienced investors. And they just laugh because uh, I think they, they knew that I was, you know, yeah, sort of over-exaggerating it a little bit. But uh, I mean, yeah, look, the, the reality is that uh, stuff like that could happen. You know, it's unfortunate. You do read stories about things like that that do happen, but yeah, I think most people get concerned about down valuations, but there's there's ways to mitigate that. It doesn't always work, but there are ways that you can mitigate that. So, mm. no, nice stuff. Some good good tips there, Rob. Want to round it off with um, what's your opinions on the current state of the market and what are your predictions for the future? It's a question that keeps coming up time and time again with COVID and this pandemic and all this nonsense going on. So let me ask you. What are what's the current state of the market in your opinion and the predictions for the future? Oh man, you got an hour. You got an hour. <laughs> this, is, this could take a long, long time. Um, yeah, look, look, look. where do I start? I'll go back to what I just said about opportunity. There's always opportunity. You know, it doesn't matter what stage. It doesn't matter what stage of the cycle we're in. There's always opportunity. So when there's good times, there's opportunity. When there's not so good times, there's opportunity. So if, if you get your entrepreneurial hat on, there's opportunity out there, basically. And yeah, there always will be. As you well know, you look at the changes in PD, permitted development laws that have you know, been implemented, uh, changes in generic planning that you know, have been put in to try and help get things through, processes through quicker. Look at the amount of empty shops that are, you know, gracing the high streets again you know as, as a result and again you know that is sad to see you know many people say that it's sad to see but it creates opportunity because you know you and i look at that or you know more yourself because you're, you're in, in in development you know you'll, you'll look at those opportunities and go oh oh yeah and no, i quite like this 
down X high street or whatever. So there's opportunity. What's the reality? Okay, this is what I think. The challenge that we've got is that most, most people that are going to be listening to this are going to be used to dealing with a recession. Yeah, we had one in 2007, you know, 2007, 2008. What people are not used to dealing with is the fact that we're being dictated to by a virus. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not happened in society on this level for just over 100 years. You know, last major thing like that was Spanish flu. That was 1918 to, I think, 1922, I want to say. That's four years. So we're not used to being controlled by a virus. Now, yes, there's various conspiracy theories out there about X, Y, and Z. You know, oh, people saying the virus doesn't exist and all that. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm just going to assume that it does because, you know, whatever. The challenge that people will have and the challenge that a lot of us have is we don't know how to deal with it because most of us have never been involved in this before. You know, this isn't a regular recession. This is something that's a bit bigger than that. And, it's you know, these are things that have happened before. Spanish flu is the last big one. Before that, you've had, uh, oh, certainly for the Americas, uh, smallpox. You know, but then we've had smallpox outbreaks years and years gone by as well. And if you want to roll back to the 14th century, the Black Death, plague, everything. And the same shit happens each time. It's a normally a virus or can be a bacteria that is transmitted. Sometimes it's human to human. Sometimes it's fleas, you know, to rats, to dogs, to you know, humans or whatever. But the same principles apply. You have to stop the movement of stuff. Fundamentally, you have to stop the movement of stuff. It didn't work too well back in the day because their scientific knowledge isn't what we've got now. So they were at a big disadvantage. But even they started understanding after the few outbreaks of plague that, oh, actually, we've got to stop moving people. It's actually the Venetians that came up with the word quarantine. Um, this was, I don't know, back in the 16th century, I think it was. We had another outbreak of plague. And you know, for those that have been to Venice, I have not personally, it's obviously a, a quite a water-based place. Um, so a lot of ships and so forth. And, um, you know, to stop any transmission of any potential diseases, they got their, uh, any boats that were coming in, they had to sit in port for 40 days. So, so I think it was quarantano, quarantine, that's where we get the word from. So it really means 40 days. And they figured out over time that if you stop the movement of people and goods and services, that actually things would, things would you know, sort themselves out. Then you flip to the 21st century. And, you know, I, I, I laugh about this because, you know, we have more problems staying inside and we've got Wi-Fi. You know, back in the day, we didn't have no <laughs> Wi-Fi. So we have big challenges. But the flip side to that, and this is what many people will say, is that, well, you know, if you're asking, if you're asking us to stop moving, number one, that's going to be pretty much impossible nowadays. Let's be honest, because people are ignorant and people don't understand what's going on. But the flip side of that is if you're stopping people from working, you're stopping people from earning cash. And this is, you know, it's that rat racing, isn't it? That people were going to want to earn cash or need to earn cash because they need to pay their bills. They need to pay this. They need to pay their kids' school fee or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Now, I get I get that. I, I do. I 100% get that, you know. So this is where the conundrum is. But if you're going to get rid of COVID, you're going to need a vaccine or you're going to need people to randomly become immune to it. It's not impossible, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. 
It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. Even if you get a successful vaccine, you still need 7.5 billion of them to effectively you know, vaccine everyone in the world. And even then, people won't want to take a vaccination because it's well within their rights not to be vaccinated. Fine, fair enough. So, yeah, really the challenge is, James, and I've thought numerous times about this, you know, I've had numerous conversations with people about this, is that you need to stop the movement of people. And all this tier three bollocks, I don't, you know, it's all it's all madness. You know, it's fair to say that our government, not just our government, but a lot of governments around the world, I don't think anyone's dealt with it particularly well because no one knows how to deal with it because, again, it's not happened for over 100 years. You know, so how did, but if you study history, you can stop repeating the same mistakes that have been repeated over and over and over again. You need to stop the movement of people. Uh, which is challenging in today's society. I get, I do get that. Mm-hmm. I do get that. But economically, as uh, going on to your question, this is herein is the big, the biggest challenge. If you look at what the governments are doing up and down the world, let's just take our government, our, our wonderful government down in Westminster, that with furlough schemes and you know these lifebloods, you know all, all these things that they're doing, they're effectively printing cash. Which, okay, you know, it, it, it's like a plaster that's trying to cover a lot of blood. You know, it's good to stick it on for a little bit and it might work for a few days and then you might have to change the plaster. The challenge that people have is that they don't get economics, that by printing currency and by printing and printing and printing and printing and printing, it's going to devalue the pound. And, uh, you know, this is, it's going to devalue the dollar as well and, you know, all this stuff. It's going to devalue the currency. Yes, it's providing, you know, life support to the economy, But it's going to devalue the currency over time. And the two or three ways that, again, people at central banks will think about, the two or three ways to stop that and to overcome that are interest rates, taxes, and inflation. If you look at the interest rates at the moment, you know, there's even talks about them going negative. So you've got to take interest rates off the table. Not happening. So you're left with taxes and inflation. Now, every, but I'd recommend people listen to or read a Parliament Limited by Martin Williams, because this book goes into it a bit more. You're not going to get many politicians that are going to sit there and go, yeah, yeah, need to raise taxes. Yeah, 100%. Let's go. It's not a vote winner. Ain't going to happen. You know, not a vote winner. They'll find ways to stealthily bring things in, but it ain't a vote winner. And regardless of what we think about them or not, politicians will look after themselves. They have to. You know, everyone, everyone would do that, I think, in their situation. They're concerned about, are, are they going to be voted in in the next election? You know, are they going to have their seat in Parliament and stuff like that? So if you take taxes off the table, you're left with inflation, which, as we alluded to at the start, as, as property investors, developers kind of want inflation. Inflation is useful, very useful, because it pushes out the price of stuff. So over time, prices of, of stuff will go up, which means prices of your land and your developments and your houses should go up. So we kind of need that. But of course, with inflation... You know, inflation is like the ultimate tax, to be fair. It is the stealthiest tax going. It's incredible how it works. Because you just erode the way the debt. This is why people say get interest-only mortgages. Because if you've got inflation, you know, you come back and refinance the property in 10 years' time, you might have doubled in value. Mm-hmm. But if you've still got the same debt on it, but the value's gone up twofold, you know, the, the inflation has eroded away the, the natural debt of the property. And that's just one property. And we're talking an economy that's worth trillions here. And they're, they're going to try and do the same thing. The challenge, again, with that is it could lead to deflation, which is, you know, any investor 
any property person never wants to hear that word because if that happens, we, we've got we have got a challenge if deflation happens. This is what I mean about understanding the economics. So, in answer to your question, I've just gone off on one, which um, but I, I think it's an important subject to get people you know to people to understand the other side of. In answer to your question, what concerns me is that this virus thing is going to go on for years. End of. There are no two ways about it. Even if you get a vaccine tomorrow, you still got to distribute that. Blah 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 blah. Vaccine is going to go on for ages. We're going to have national lockdown after national lockdown, and people are going to panic. People are going to protest, and then it's ironic that the same people that are protesting are going to be the ones complaining about inflation and prices and taxes in the future, whereas people like you and I are going to be. I'm not going to say we're going to be sat on the beach laughing. That's not the way to put it. But we've put our time into developing our own assets where we don't have to rely on what our government's doing effectively in, in the long term. And I think that's the beauty of, of doing what we do. So there, there is a, a beautiful irony that these are the same people that are going to complain um, you know, about inflation, about taxes in the years to come. Because you know it will happen if inflation don't do it. There will be taxes somewhere because it is natural. Mm-hmm. You look at the history of taxes. Every time there's been a war, every time there's been a, you know, a, a world pandemic or whatever, someone's bought taxing somewhere, and you know, hey, oh, that generates a lot of cash. Let's keep it. So, you know, so I think income tax is probably the, the biggest one of the lot. I can't remember when it was implemented, but it came off the back of the UK going through a bad e- economic time. So they, they come out of income tax, and oh, funny enough, we've still got it today. You know, and it's 2020. Sorry to date stamp. It's 2020. Um, but what concerns me is is I think at the moment that the housing market is becoming quite artificial because whether they've done it on purpose, I don't know. We've got changes to stamp duty, which has been the main thing, that all this pent up demand from the first lockdown has led to, you know, when the rules were relaxed, people have gone, oh yeah, people, some people have saved quite a bit in lockdown because they're not spending as much because they're not going out as much. But the stamp duty changes have built up this pent-up demand. Now, you know, I'm sure we've sat through social media and spoken to people and people have been trying to buy auction and, and virus state agents have been saying a lot of the same things. You know, there's bidding wars, there's this, there's that, there's this, there's that. Because you need to have this, you need to have the psychology of the people. You need to have the psychology of the people. If people are going to think positively, that, that's crucial. If you take, if the confidence of the people goes, you're, you're bollocks as an economy so yeah the whole economy at the moment ugh, you know it's in a bit of you know it's as gray as it is outside at present and that's going to go on for years but they've tried to turn housing on its head and go well actually we need to stimulate housing because if people are confident in housing they're probably going to forget about everything else that's going on and i i get why they're doing that but fair enough fine but if everything else around you is going south is going wrong which again, inevitably, currency just being printed and printed and printed, but then you've got this one sector of your economy that's doing really well. Nah, there's no correlation there, and at some point that will burst. I don't know when, because um, again, like I said, I think this, you know, again, we're dealing with a virus. We're not dealing with a regular recession. We're dealing with something we've not dealt with in our lifetimes. But history shows how we can deal with it, and it ain't pleasant, and it ain't pretty. But history can show us how we can deal with it. So. Yeah, my concern is that the housing market is becoming quite artificial, um, which, you know, well, we all know what happens to bubbles. It will happen at some point. I just don't know when. But, you know, that's uh, that sounds all doom and gloom. But for me, that's reality. That's how I think. You know, um, 
I always joke about it. And, you know, I'm autistic. I think about things completely differently from how other people think about things. So I can take emotion out of all of this and just look at things differently. Um, why is that important? Because it gives you a different view. I'm not saying my view is right. I'm not saying, you know, it's not the most socially acceptable thing that I've ever said in my life. But this is me. This is who I am. I've got, yeah, this is how I look at things. Because I can see, I can see what will happen. Um, so that's sort of that, that's my socialist aspect of me going. Oh, but, but that's that, that's that's how our that's how we are at the moment. But flip side, on the entrepreneurial capitalist side of me, as I said, there's opportunity. There is going to be opportunity. There is opportunity, big opportunity at the moment, and there will continue to be massive opportunity because you know people need to sell. People get panicky, and, and that's where cash is king. So, from from a business point of view, from you know developments that you do you know buy to lets that we do and you know from speaking to other people there's an abundance of opportunity um, uh, as well so there's always two sides to the coin but yeah in i'm concerned a little bit about the potential uh, of what will happen and the fact that it i think something will burst at some point in housing because yeah they're trying to stimulate housing at a time when you know, to keep the confidence of the people up where, you know, this is going to be around for years and the fallout from it's going to be a lot worse and it's going to take a long time to recover. And there could be, you know, massive stipulations with, you know, not just our currency, but worldwide, you know, um, not just because of the US election that's happening, but, you know, look at all the sort of advancements in, you know, crypto. I don't know a lot about crypto, but you just look at the advancements that are being made there and how people want to try and control things and stuff like that. It's scary. It's scary, but uh, but no, don't use what I've said as a reason not to do something because there's always opportunity. You know, there are people out there that will need to sell their land. There are people out there that might not know about these changes to PD and you know other planning legislation that's that's been done. There are people out there that do want to get rid of their portfolio. So keep looking because there will always be opportunity. But do try and have a bit of an understanding of the economics and work with it. Don't let the economics stop you. Work with it, but try and understand it. And you know that's the whole ball game in itself. I, I joked about an hour, and I could go on. But, uh, I think <laughs> wow, sixteen wow. minutes is, is, I, is about right. I, I absolutely love that. You had me fully engaged. There. I love what you said about the plaster. That analogy is just so perfect. That plaster's just been put on there, but eventually that blood is going to carry on flowing, and that plaster is going to fall off at some point. I think you just summed it up so so well there. Yeah, it, it's, it's 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 just it's just in my opinion, and that's all it is. Is my opinion. It's just that's that's the alley. You know, again, if we're dealing with a regular recession, the, the ball game changes a little bit. It, to an extent, the ball game changes a little bit. But we're dealing, we've got this added thing of, of this virus that, you know, I'm just going to assume it exists. And people say that it doesn't and, you know, whatever. But I'm going to assume it exists. And the thing that we've got in 2020 is we've not dealt with this for over 100 years. But these things do happen. You've just got to look at time, look at history, look at time. These things have happened and they'll continue to happen. They probably won't happen again in our lifetime. Hopefully not. Um, we just happen to be in in the middle of this now, um, but that's what I mean by the economics. That's what concerns me. It's it's okay having you know everyone always looks to the government and fine, but yeah, the challenge that governments have got worldwide, most of them, is that their solution is just print, 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 which you know is dangerous. It's why quite a few sensible, smart people looking at gold, silver, precious metals, you know. Uh, and doing something a bit different i'm doing that i'll be honest um doing something a bit different looking at it a bit different but i'm a long-term thinker but yeah all, all i say is 
if you're out and about, you're dealing with people, you're talking with people, you're viewing property, you're dealing with tenants or you're viewing land and whatnot, you know, all I can say, just be as careful as you can. You know, be as careful as you can. It is a virus. It will spread. Just look at how it works. And it's going to be around with us for a very long time. The, The ways to stop it is the fundamental movement of people. Stop everyone moving, which nowadays is pretty much impossible um and and you know have a vaccine created or become immune to it which again takes time it ain't gonna happen tomorrow so yeah you know we're gonna be around it's gonna be around for a while but you know use these things use the economics to our advantage because as as we've said there will always be opportunities no matter what stage of the, of the cycle we're in but uh, yeah you know as an investor i think it's important to understand or have at least have a basic understanding of the economics and, and what's happening and you know as, as you said you know, don't use all these what-if scenarios as doom and gloom and you know don't let it stop you from doing something because there's so many opportunities out there there's so much cash out there that you know it's almost the best time to strike and history will prove that you know, whenever there's been big depressions or you know things haven't worked out so well you know a lot of smart people always make a lot of cash because that's the nature of the beast um yeah that, that's it in a nutshell james no, that was that was absolutely fantastic, mate. And I think that brings us nicely to the end of that podcast, mate. I think uh, I think you said some really, really good things. And if I was going to sum this up, I would say, don't be afraid. Look at the positives and just tread with a slight bit of caution, but don't let it stop you from doing what you're doing. Perfect. Mm. Great stuff, Rob. Where can people connect with you if they want to reach out and find you and uh, and you know ask you a question even? Yeah, James, the, the easiest way for people to get hold of me personally is email. Um, so that is rob at tpnpodcast.com. Uh, email me. That's the easiest uh, thing to do. Uh, check out the Property Nomads podcast, as, as you've alluded to. So we're on all the usual platforms there as well. Uh, have a look at Amazon for buy to let how to get started and 101 top property tips. Do go uh, and check them out. Uh, and then in terms of generic social medias, you can follow us, uh, the Property Nomads podcast or the Property Nomads, one of the two. Yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook. We do most of our work on Instagram at the moment. Um, so we, we started, Aaron and I started to go for our travel memories. So there's some really cringy and old old school photos there from 10 years ago. But uh, we started to sort of generate our story. Um, you know, so we're sort of back to square one. So, yeah, check us out on on, on the socials there. But, yeah, if people want to ask me a question or stuff like that, the easiest thing to do uh, will be email um, but I'm sure you put all of that in the uh, in the show notes. I certainly will. Yeah, I'll include all your links in the show notes. And on that note, thank you so much, Rob, for joining me on the J2R podcast. And uh, no doubt we'll catch up soon. All the best. Thanks for your time, James. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.